Welcome to the Marketplace Missionaries Podcast. My name is Donnie Swanepoel, and I'm here with my good friend Kai Jeans and our special guest today, Grayson Price. Good morning, man. Hey, Donnie, how are you doing? Grayson, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it for you to come in the morning, especially, do a morning episode, and really just excited to hear your story, man. So if you don't mind, tell the audience a little bit a little bit about yourself. For sure, man. I'm uh, happy to be here. Glad to be here with you guys. Um, yeah, so my name's uh, Grayson, and I'm from uh, from Jacksonville originally, Jacksonville, Arkansas. And um, yeah, I'm a financial advisor here in Little Rock. Uh, my dad and I own and operate Price Investment Group. Uh, it's a local investment uh, advisory firm, and we do retirement planning, financial planning, that sort of thing. Um, so that's kind of what I do for work. And then as far as personal life, uh, I'm married. Uh, my wife's name is Mary Helene, and uh, we've been married for two years now. Just loving life and, and working and got a dog and keeps us busy. So That's awesome. So growing up, was it always the goal to kind of end up on the financial investment side or did you have other plans growing up? So I'll say growing up, there was not really another plan laid out. <laughs> it was predominantly, you know, going to come work with dad and, um, you know, I just got a lot of exposure to that and, um, you know, I was on, on his hip while he was doing trades, and um, I, I was at clients' houses with them, you know, after work sometimes, and so it just kind of, it felt like a, a natural kind of step. There wasn't really any opposition to it, and it's been a lot of fun. So, so growing up from a kind of faith standpoint, did what did that look like for you? Did you grow up in a, in a faith-based home, or was it, was it something different? Yeah, so I think um, I, I just grew up in a home where you know we went to church every Sunday. It was um, a part of what part of what we did, and um, you know it was as far as um, living out your faith. I don't think I, growing up, had like a full understanding of the gospel message and um, the Great Commission. And over the last probably you know five years, we've really got to dig through that and um, come to a more full understanding but did grow up in a spiritual household where the Lord was made um, a priority but um, I think similar to I know Kai's story but just kind of um, stepping through that on your own and being able to search the scriptures for what a um, biblical definition of uh, Christianity is and how to live that out in your daily life. And so really just kind of um, walking through that and having really good mentors alongside me um, to lead me in that. That's awesome. So how, how would you define the biblical Christianity like you just talked about? Yeah, so uh, I'll kind of start with the definition that I had prior and then maybe move That'd into be great. Um, what, it, what I have now. And so uh, previously it was... Um, more of a works-based definition. And so in my head, it was or cultural Christianity that people refer to. And it's this idea that, you know, as long as you're good enough and you do the right things and you're, you know, you're a good person, it's going to be fine. Like, and so moving forward, like the biblical definition of Christianity that I've kind of been led on my Christian walkthrough is that rather than it's based off of works or something that you do. You have to fully understand like your sin and your depravity in your life and that we need a savior 
and that Jesus is that Savior, and he came and he died on the cross um, for our sins, and there's, there's nothing that we can do that we deserve that. And so to, in light of that, walk through life being appreciative of our Savior and then allowing the fruit of Scripture to pour out of our heart rather than it be this tumultuous like work thing that you're trying to achieve, you know that, that Jesus has satisfied that. And um, I think there, there's a lot of comfort in that um, once I came to that understanding and also uh, a lot of hope. Heck yeah, man. That's awesome, especially with the hope piece. And I, I think it's so strange how, especially here in the South, it's very much like a bunch of people, I mean, me too, you know, transition from the, oh, yeah, you just got to be good, work, work, work. I don't even know where that comes from predominantly in the South, but it is such a great thing when you hear someone say, man, I thought it was this, and then I came to this conclusion. Because my biggest fear for the South is, man, there's going to be a bunch of people that are, when they die, they go up to heaven and they're going to say, hey, I, I worked my tail off for you, Lord. And he's going to be like, and you missed it. <laughs> you went to church, did everything, and you missed it. Um, man, I just, I love these type of stories. Really thank you for, like, even sharing that transition in there, Grayson. So is there is there anything that you've seen, like, in your evangelism that's helped, like, transition people into the from works into grace? Yeah, how did that look like for you? How did you, whom or what kind of helped you make that transition from, you know, the works-based salvation to, you know, Christ being the way, the truth, and the life for you? Absolutely, yeah. So um, that that kind of hinge point in my faith came through um, a mentor. I, I actually moved churches uh, that, at that point in my life, and uh, I was kind of just seeking some uh, fellowship and um, I ended up a pastor that was at our church at that time. Uh, we got together and met for coffee, you know, once a month for, for a while. And um, he really just started with the basics. And I was thankful for that because I, I was, my questions were seeking all of these kind of maybe detailed, more theological ideas that I thought, you know, I needed head knowledge for to know what to do. But he just took it straight back to the gospel our first meeting and really just kind of dug into um, what that looks like and how we need to live that out and gave the definition that I previously did. And I was like, I don't think I'm doing that. So we kind of, you know, we got to laugh about that for a second. And he was like, no, this is, this is serious. You know, we need to, we need to really think and pray about it. And he said, you know, I'm willing to walk through this with you. And um, so we, uh, we did. And over the course of the next couple of years of just meeting together, I mean, we, we went deep, covered, covered a lot. And, uh, that, that was kind of that hinge point though, is just getting fellowship with, a you know, other men who were deep in their faith and, um, knew true biblical definitions. How old were you at this, at this point? So at this point I started meeting with him when I was 16. Okay. And so it was, it was later, um, Obviously, you know, I, I kind of, in church, I accepted Christ as my Savior when I was younger, and um, I do think that was genuine, but I didn't understand, like, our full and total depravity and a need for the Savior that I truly did at that point in my life. Wow, so, kind of, sounds like that's where your your true faith journey started. So, how did that look like, kind of, post-high school, and then what did post-high school look like for you? 
Yeah, so um, actually around that 16 time, I also I met my now wife, Mary Helene. And um, so we were dating as I was going through that process. I had kind of started my that biblical journey before I met her earlier in that year. And so our, our dating relationship also was reflective of this, this new journey and walk that I was on. And um, so just kind of leadership and mimicking that and being able to step up. And there were some personal things that were going on um, separately with our families, um, kind of high school leading into college that um, really kind of put me on the fast track, so to speak, as far as leadership and stepping up and um, being being a man and not just a, a boy without responsibility. And so um, I think that it was hard, but it was really beneficial. And um, so I met with the, the first mentor that I mentioned for two years, and he gave me just such a great foundation um, relationally, not only for like fellowship with guys, but also in my relationship with Mary Helene because um, he had a very similar story that we were kind of walking through. They had dated in high school and college and and uh, got married young. And so uh, that was really helpful to hear from him. And then uh, he moved on, and there was another mentor that folded into my life, um, like kind of spring of 2020. And we actually still meet weekly, um, even right now. And uh, he's just a, a, a great... Um, leader in the church who is just has so much wisdom and so I think um, through that transition and that time I think the biggest thing for people that are you know young believers that are in in college or in um, high school to just seek out a mentor seek out someone who is just rich in wisdom and biblical knowledge and lean into that um, because I think so much now we we do lean on our own understanding and we're our own individualistic culture and um, there's just so much wisdom out there to to seek and to hear yeah if you if you remember too kind of building off what you're saying here um, last night Robert Lewis when he was talking to us he even mentioned you know if you look at like the most radical in air quotes like radical Christians ones that are just sold out for the Lord he was saying, if you go ask them all, there's two things that stood out. One, a mentor, like you're saying, and then two, just a time, like you're saying, with that preacher, where it's like, hey, I just was in-depth study of the Lord um, and the Bible and what it teaches. And I think it's 100% right. Um, you know, for me, uh, that time came in college, um, in my D group, when I became a Christian, I was like, my first year when I was a Christian was rocky, just I didn't have the head knowledge. I had the, the faith, but not the head knowledge. Joined a D group that was like, hey, we're going to go through the entire Bible. And so for the next year, we just studied the Bible start to finish. Um, chronological order, which I think helps for the audience if you're trying to do that. Chronological order was very beneficial for my brain. But to build off what you're saying, like, hey, if you're a Christian out there and you had never just spent a lot of time studying the Bible it will 100% like build your build your faith and then build your commitment to the Lord in my opinion I think it's important to note too that you know I think in this cultural Christianity idea that we're talking about um, where it's easy to go to church and kind of check the boxes um, you you take away the authority of the Holy Spirit in your life through scripture and that you know getting in scripture like you mentioned 
um, it will convict you of different sin that you will not be convicted of walking apart from Scripture. And so I think it's it's just really important to note to the, to the audience, and I think it's a good reminder for us that, you know, not only being with a mentor, not only kind of getting that head knowledge, but just being in Scripture daily does hold that hold that conviction and, and is also uplifting. There's encouragement in there too. And that's how we get fed spiritually, and so we have to eat meat, and that's where we get our meat from is spending time with the Lord in the Scriptures. So. Did you, did you have any challenges in college, you know, with questions about faith, or just your faith in general? What did that look like for you? So college college was a little odd. Um, so as I kind of alluded to earlier, um, that period of time in my life looked a little different than maybe the, the normal average college person. Um, so kind of with their own circumstances in my life and uh, in my wife's life, um, I, once I graduated high school in 2018, um, I went and I did college two years year-round to graduate um, early. And so I could get into the workforce because we wanted to get married. And, um, and so uh, it was kind of in a rapid pace. And because of that, um, it was a little different just because there wasn't a lot of like super foundational relationships that I built there. Uh, obviously I had my wife and she's my best friend, but, uh, other than that, it was kind of like, I was just, you know, dipping my toe in the water of all these other relationships, um, kind of breezing through. And so I do look back on that and wish maybe at certain points that I know that I saw, you know, people that, that were hurting or that had questions and I just didn't take the time to, to stop and to talk to them. And so I think, that's a lesson for me to to just that even when you're busy and you're in the thick of it to to slow down mm-hmm. um but as far as like personal struggles in that is you know from being on this work-based side of christianity and then realizing a true biblical definition i took that and i went real far with it because uh, you know around 2018 so right when i was getting into college two years of really getting some knowledge under your belt it kind of took away any works Mm. at all. And so I was kind of left with just knowledge and, um, you know, that's, that's not good either. And so the, that second mentor that I was saying that I have in my life now, uh, we were just having a discussion to that effect. And he was like, well, that's, that's not healthy either because, because of this biblical definition of, of Christianity and because your heart's changing and because the Holy Spirit is convicting sin in your life and that your heart is wanting to transform to, to Christ's heart, you should produce fruit and works that reflect that. It's not just you're distributing knowledge and envelopes to people around and just hoping that it works out. Like we're supposed to live out the life of Christ for others to see as well. And so it's not dependent on our faith, but, but it is important. Yeah, someone once told me that your orthodoxy should lead to orthopraxy. And all that means is your knowledge of God and the scriptures should change us from within to then go outside and go help be an advocate for change. Meaning just our theology should impact how we how we view ourselves and how we should view others and impact them. So that's a good point that you made. Absolutely. That's a really good way to put that. Yeah, it's a little bit technical, but I think you understand what I'm saying. Absolutely.
So going back to, I'm just curious, like you mentioned Robert Lewis earlier, kind of what, what was the context of that meeting? And then who, who is Robert Lewis? So Robert Lewis is a Christian author. Um, we'll tag some of his books in, in the description if you're interested. But we went out there last night for Downline. He has a session with Downline every year. And he just wanted to give us, like, kind of, honestly, what this podcast is, in a way. Um, it was geared more towards just overall life, not work-specific. But he just went over some practical advice from a man. You know, he's 73 now. He was like, if I could look back and see where y'all are, like, what I'd want to hear. And he had some really good advice, and we'll get into it here in a second. But one thing that really stuck out to me, I don't know if it stuck out to you, Grayson, you can um, – talk on this too you know he talked about the state of america today and you know what was really interesting that he said he said where we look at today is where he looked at it in like 1969 yeah. a, a similar viewpoint yeah really <laughs> yeah and i thought that was really interesting because I, I think it's really easy for us to get caught up in saying like oh it's you know going down america's going down all that and he was like it felt the same exact way mm. and then it was followed by the Jesus revolution mm. and he talked about that and man it, it was really encouraging because it didn't start out as many people doing it and he talked about how like these independent churches just started going out into the world and like working for their community and spreading the gospel and I think it was just really encouraging to see like you know like what we're doing here and in West Little Rock, at my warehouse, at Splash, like just sharing the gospel, like how far that can actually go off of something that seems so small on day one. But I mean, look at our D group too. You know, it was me and Bill for three months. And now, I mean, there's a new guy. <laughs> well, we had a new guy again last yeah. night. And so it's it's so encouraging just yeah. to see how God is moving in and through that, that D group. Yeah, so that, that was kind of what Robert Lewis was talking about. He was like, just be sold out for the gospel. I think it's just so encouraging to hear that. Like, and, you know, I think in our culture today, the term radical gets misused almost. I think it's been so defined over the last, I think, two or three years that who knows what the true definition of mm -hmm. radical means, you know. And so, uh, yes, Grayson, I'm curious to hear from you on what did what did you kind of get from last night spending time with this guy that's well known he's had a huge impact not only in America but globally kind of what were some of your big takeaways from Robert Lewis yeah so I also just want to take the front end and uh, the reason that we got to, to be at his house last night is just a plug down line um, it's just a it's an organization here in Little Rock that uh, is really a disciple making training session that's just packed into nine months and so uh that's what kind i've been a part of and donnie has done in the past and it's just a it's a it's a great great thing and it's also really helped me to continue to define that mm. uh, that definition of biblical christianity um but going back to robert last night um you know the thing i think the thing that i got the most out of listening to him talk and i think that this goes with any mentor that's kind of an, an elder in age, you know, is just listening to them speak and know that we are so like one thing focused that we don't have the perspective that they do maybe at a young age and to listen to them talk about 
you know, I've seen this before. Mm. And, you know, we came out the other side of it, and it's bad now. But, you know, we'll come out of it again, and the Lord is good. And just to have that uh, overwhelming comfort that um, just secure in, in his salvation and to know that he's affected so many people, but um, to still just be on fire for the Lord. And um, just I think that that perspective is just so neat to me. And one thing that I was even thinking about this morning before we jumped on here is just that, um, you know, just being there in in that relationship with the Lord where you, um, you know, that he's seen this before and now that he's kind of revealed to you that you've seen this before on an earthly level, um, but just to know that, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what are some things you guys will do differently moving forward in light of that conversation with Robert Lewis last night? You, you want to go first, Grayson? Sure. I, I can take it. Yeah, no, it's all good. Yeah, so I think for me it would just be looking for opportunities to, to be that radical person mm-hmm. or to be that, that person on fire for Christ. Um, I think that we can, especially, you know, with, with work and personal stuff, we can fill up our schedule to the brim where we don't allow any room for Christ to work in our life. And um, I think just allowing there to be time in there, allowing there to be some buffer for the Lord to work and to, to ask him to do that through prayer. And um, But I think that would be the biggest thing is just that, because he also talked about, like, time management and just kind of um, – allowing the Lord to work in your life and not to like schedule him out of it in a way. I love that. For mine, it was the more practical side because while he talks about being radical and stuff, like I was just more fired up like, hey, yeah, let's go grab some more people. I feel like I've been on that like more radical side and I just want to keep, keep going. It was really encouraging just to be like, okay, yeah, there's more people doing what I'm doing. So, I mean, really just encouraged there. But on the practical side, he talked about quiet time with the Lord in the morning and I thought that was just a huge help to me he just said you know it's, it's not quiet it's not quiet time it's a time with the Lord well spent he said what he does he just sits there and he says good morning Lord <laughs> and then he goes through the Lord's prayer and like whatever's applicable on the day you know and he's like you know your will on heaven will be done on earth and he's like what part of your will needs to be done by me today and he just goes through the prayer and just kind of pinpoints things that are going on like in his day-to-day life with the Lord and I thought that was really good for me because honestly that's where I struggle waking up and being like okay I need to go take five with the Lord I'm wake up hit the shower hit the gym hit work like it's so fast-paced so that was really good for me and I'm absolutely gonna try to start squeezing that in in the morning that's good stuff. Uh, so what's kind of, I know you guys, downline is it like an eight, nine-month process. So kind of where are you guys at in that process? We're on the last lap. Home stretch? Yeah. Home stretch, so Home about stretch. the last month. Okay, so what are you guys currently being being taught in downline? What We just went through Second Timothy this week, which was great, especially in context of, our world today, I felt like, you know, Paul was in prison right to Timothy and just kind of saying, hey, you know, people are turning their back on the faith and, um, you know, but some people are standing beside me like, Timothy, 
keep pushing the gospel, and I think that that's something we could see in America here soon. So that's what we're learning this week, and that's what I got from it. Like, hey, keep pushing the gospel, even at the face of opposition. Like, the Lord is my Savior. The, the, I know where I'm going. I mean, the worst that's going to happen is I'm not here tomorrow, and I know where I'm going. Like, it, so. That's so neat. Christian, uh, Grayson, you mentioned earlier that downline has really helped you to define biblical Christianity, but then also the Great Commission. Do you mind sharing just with the audience from that, how, how what is the Great Commission? I think we, we hear that word in the Christian community a lot, the Great Commission, but I wonder how many people actually know from a biblical standpoint what it is and what it's supposed to look like day in and day out. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry there. It's a little delayed. Um, yeah, so the the Great Commission, um, if it's all right, I'll, I'll just read Scripture first Please and do. go from Lots there. Lots of Scriptures, I always love, love them on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So um, where the Great Commission comes from is Matthew 28. And um, so it's it says, uh, it's Matthew 28, 16 through 20. And now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain, to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, and they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so that is just kind of the, the commission part of that. And um, just the, the Lord saying, Okay, here we are. Like, you know the story. You know that I'm your salvation and that I've, you know, I came and I died and was raised three days later, and, and uh, that, that covered your sins completely. There's nothing that you can do to earn that. And um, just go share that with your neighbor, with your coworkers, with different nations around the world, and to take off and get after it. And I think that coming kind of circling back to downline is that um, in the church, like I grew up with the the conception that, you know, the the Great Commission was for missionaries, mm. right? Like that wasn't practical to myself. That that was for people that went to China and Thailand and Africa and Europe, and you know, they it went out from the church. And that you know, I just showed up on Sunday morning and I supported them, and it was it was fine. And um, so downline and my mentors previously leading up to downline, um, downline was kind of like the, I don't know, they like poured the gas on it, yeah, kind of. Um, but my mentors before that and then downline kind of illuminating that even further uh, was that you aren't a passive member in Christ. Like you are, you are active. You are called to the Great Commission today. There's a, there's a com- clear command there. Go, therefore. And that's really geared towards all of Jesus' followers. It's not just the missionary or the preacher or the pastor. It's like, no, this command is for all of Jesus' followers go, therefore, and go share this good news. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's it. And I mean, you know, it's it's clear as day there. And but it's funny, um, you know, like Kyle was saying, I think that that is a misconception. Maybe other places, but especially here in the South, that mm-hmm. you know, it's it's a good old pastor's job up there on Sunday morning to to share the gospel and do the go therefore of Matthew twenty eight, but. But it's all of us. It's the three of us sitting here and any follower of Christ across the world. Which there's two things that over my lifetime that I hope will be useful to others. 
And when it comes to the Great Commission, I know in our language it says go, but in the Greek, you know, it was as you go. Wait, is that, that right? That is right. Greek? Yeah. Okay, I was about to say, I don't want to say Greek. It's going to be like, oh, it was the Hebrew. Yeah, Greek's, um, Greek's New Testament. Yeah. So it's as you go. I think that gives you more free will than almost any verse in the Bible right there. When it says as you go, it says, hey, as you live your life, as you go do what you want to, in air quotes, um, as you go pursue a family, as you go pursue a sports car, as you pursue a new career, like just on your way, grace your your yeah, sharing grace the gospel, the gym, yeah. like all of the above, right? As yeah. you go. So it's like as you build in that mentality and that freedom of, yeah, I don't have to go to Thailand to share the gospel. But hey, when I go to the grocery store, I really like going to the grocery store. If I see someone in there, and they're wearing a cross necklace, I have every right to say, hey, what's that mean to you? You know, so there's that. Yeah, and I think it's also, you know, one important element to that is like, as you go and as you kind of communicate this good news of Jesus, you we have the ability to, to impact an individual locally that could in the future be a missionary globally. So we could potentially reach the unreached by having a local impact, you know, if we if we share the good news at the gym or at work, uh, God changes that individual's heart and puts on their heart to become a missionary. You know, we can reach unreached. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yes. I, I hope this isn't too in the weeds, but I think it was really encouraging maybe for uh, people in the audience that are Christians already. And I think it was to Kai and I, um, when we first started downline, one of the first lessons that was taught was multiplication. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's the idea that, you know, I'm not just walking through my life adding one by one a Christian to the church, that through discipleship and through a complete understanding of the Great Commission, that we are going out and, you know, we're finding somebody, sharing the gospel with them, then they're turning around and sharing the gospel with somebody else. You know, it's not like I'm having to go and add one and add one and add one. There's this idea that each person that you touch, like you're saying, you may affect, affect like the global mission field and not even know it just mm -hmm. because you've ministered to this one person here locally. Yeah. And then one last thing before we go, this will be a shout out to old Bill Reed, but he uses this. Wait, what did, what did you call him? Old Bill Reed. O-L-E. O-L-E. Bill, that was O-L-E. <laughs> you know he listened. There was, I know, I know. There was not a D at the end of that O-L. Um, it's like it's like Davo said in our D group like last week's like well it's obvious you have <laughs> your season yeah but early on when I started hanging out with Bill he said sometimes the most spiritual guy isn't the pastor he's like you can be the most sold out for Jesus guy in the back row of the church and I think to your point that you said earlier in the south that's like mind-boggling because you're like oh the pastor he needs to be the one going to share the gospel it's like you can 100% be the last you can be the very last seat in the church and be the most sold out for Jesus like that it's just a fact you know what I found interesting about the Great Commission and Jesus calling his his followers dude he called lay people he called fishermen tax collectors and then he he spent years with them and then he sent them, go therefore, and then those individuals had a massive impact globally. 
And I think such a great reminder for us being in the business world to just go and then be obedient to him by sharing the good news that he has entrusted us with. Yep. So, Grayson, thanks for uh, doing this first episode with us this week. Um, We'll catch you all next week. Audience, thanks for listening. Um, Donnie, you got anything for us? No, we'll be back here in a little bit, uh, jumping into episode two with Grayson Price and kind of see how he transitioned from college to the real world and how that has impacted him. So stay tuned and thank you for listening.